The following podcast contains explicit language. Welcome to the Diesel Performance Podcast, Episode 3. I'm Paul Wilson. And I am Scott Henricks. Today's episode, we are going to talk about my favorite Cummins diesel engines for light-duty pickup trucks. This is our third in a three-part series to help launch the Diesel Performance Podcast, which is brought to you by Calibrated Power Solutions. Calibrated Power, we love them. Yes. Uh, if you haven't already listened to the first two podcasts, I would encourage you to do so. The first episode talks in depth about Duramax diesels with Nick Pregnitz, uh, the founder and owner of uh, Calibrated Power Solutions and Duramax Tuner. Uh, definitely the best EFI live tuner in the country. Full disclosure, he is also the executive producer of the Diesel Performance Podcast. Yep. So if you notice, his voice may come across a little clearer than everybody else is because it's very important that he gets his message across, being <laughs> the executive producer. So episode two, uh, we talked forwards with Mr. Tim Slater, Centurion Fleet Services of Hampshire, Illinois. Everyone who has listened to that podcast said it was great. Tim has real, real, real passion for Ford diesels. And after listening to that conversation, I could not help but appreciate, uh, you know, I got a little more appreciation for the Blue Oval. At least got rid of some of the hate. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And I know a lot of you guys, you know, you, if, you, if you're a Cummins guy. You hate Fords. You have to. Well, that I'm pretty sure, too, that this is probably the first podcast that they're listening to. Make sure this is not the only one. <laughs> Go back. Listen to one. Listen to two. No, if anything, you know, the, the old, uh, I don't know, it's like Art of War philosophy no know thy enemy that's it man know it know, know what it. you're pulling up next to you on that light so but uh you know without further ado today we're going to be talking inline sixes with mr chris clanky of aftermath diesel services now chris is out of villa ridge missouri which is located about 45 west of st louis there are a lot of cummins diesel fans out there a lot of cummins diesel fans uh cummins diesels are appreciated for their power their dependability their terrible interiors, their <laughs> mediocre ride, and their absolutely terrible transmissions. But yet, for some reason, they're a favorite. I, I, I mean, and this is this is not me bashing on Cummins. They don't have a great interior up until 2012. Mm -hmm. They didn't have a good transmission unless you bought an ASIN in 2010 and newer. Uh, but they're awesome. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, they, they really are an awesome motor. And I feel like that's been a part of the draw to the Cummins world is that, no, you didn't get a lot of bells and whistles. You know, no, you didn't get a really fancy interior or really plush seat to sit on, but you bought a diesel truck to use it. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, price point. For me, definitely um, with the, in terms of interior, you want to talk interior. I don't know. I, I enjoy, when I look at a seat, I want to I wanna actually see the support system breaking through the cushion and the fabric. You know, I want to feel <laughs> the, the feeling of an actual metal bar running along the left side thigh underneath, which has been, I mean, I'd say five out of eight. I'd say probably, yeah, that's a good ratio, five out of eight. I like to know the truck's been broken in. Oh, yeah. And that's the indicator for me. Well, you've never gotten into a Duramax that didn't have the seat rip on the driver's side. No. It just doesn't exist. No. Um, better interior, but, but man, also, you know, we touched on, I think in the last episode here, Scott, the simplicity of, of a Cummins. Mm -hmm. uh, just how much room there is to get in there and work on it how you can get around and reach everything and the upgrades aren't bad either no not at all not at all and i mean in terms of like if you want to start talking performance you know there is something about cummins they just run and there's no like there's no ceiling for them it, t it tends to be you know and and 
correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I have, I've got a good source on this one. Duramaxes, once you get up to that 1,000 horsepower, trying to break through it, you really got to work for that additional horsepower, anything over 1,000. Cummins, for some reason, you know, some say it's unfair, but you're, <laughs> you're shooting, you, you see more 1,200. Like the Cummins, you look like also like competitive industry. A lot of the, a lot of the pulling trucks and, and drag trucks, the, the fast ones out there, they tend to be the inline six. It really is. And, and I think it's also how that motor seems to respond mm -hmm. to upgrades. Uh, if you put a similar twin kit onto a Duramax or even onto a Power Stroke, you're just you're not going to get the same gains out of that same amount of air, which we're talking CFM in mm -hmm. plus fuel should equal power. Yep. But for some reason, there is just an efficiency when it comes to aftermarket power in a Cummins. And I, I do. I really appreciate that. Yeah. I yep. can live without the stickers in the back window. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> the shame of all older Cummins owners. Like if you're not 16 and you own a Cummins and there's a big C in your back window, yep. turn your flat brim hat around yep. and, and drive it home and get the sticker off the window. That's, That's my it. advice. That is definitely it. No, it is, it is for sure. It's a mystery, you know, who really, you know, it's a mystery as, as to why they're able to do that. But, you know, thanks to Chris, we're going to take, you know, kind of delve in, maybe, maybe unlock some of those mysteries, if you will, uh, from the very popular first generation, uh, and the second generation 12 valves all the way, you know, we're talking third generation, the five nines, even getting into some of the six, seven stuff as well. Yeah. yeah there's a lot. Chris, Chris got a lot to say, a lot of good <laughs> stuff to say. Paul, I also learned, you know, problems that the, you know, learned a lot about the problems that Cummins owners face. Um, I mean, firsthand, like we kind of touched on from Chris. So kind of see, see what he's got to say. Well, that's awesome. I'm excited to hear it. Well, I got started in this industry originally. I, purchased a diesel truck in 2005 i bought an 01 cummins and uh i was in the marines at the time and i like to uh tear it up and go fast and i didn't really have the means to be able to pay somebody to fix it so in a nutshell that's pretty much how it got started that and there was just nowhere really to work on it and yeah so i uh i had to learn a lot of stuff the hard way okay <laughs> that's how that's... i got started and uh once I got out of the service, I got a job pretty much uh, running the, uh, being the consultant pretty much for performance when it came to Cummins and uh, also the in-house tuner to shop before I started my own. Okay. When you, when, were you doing any diesel work uh, in the in the military? No, I was not. Oh, okay. So just kind of, just basically bred from hobby and passion? I, I grew up around, you know, grew up racing motorcycles, grew up around fast cars and my uh my stepfather owned a shop so you know I'd, i've always been around a shop i didn't ever think i was going to do it for a living or not necessarily ever want to but that's how it ended up <laughs> that's good yeah that's awesome so what do you specialize in over there mainly in doing stuff the right way okay. um we we get a lot of uh with all all makes there's a we're in an area where a lot of people just uh a lot of people financially can't afford to pay somebody to do it and mm -hmm. they uh uh they tried to take it upon themselves to fix it and there's a you know it's all nuts and bolts but the bottom line is if you don't know what you're putting back together you're uh you know you're going to run into issues it's not all the time but i've pretty much got a i've i've been successful because of that because i'm pretty straightforward with people and they may not like what i want to hear but i'm we're going to do it my way or we're not going to do it and yep. i just i don't want to see people come back unless it's to do something else or stop by and say hi or other than that, I don't like comebacks. What's what? What do you think is like the most common, uh, common issue, or, or what, what do you guys see the most of? The biggest issue I get is 
it's really people that they just they don't they don't know what they're doing when it comes to working on it. Um, a lot of misdiagnosis. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people don't fully understand how all of the how the fuel systems work on all the trucks, and it varies so much anywhere from eighty nine to fifteen. Everything everything changes, and a lot of people don't know that they they know it has injectors they know it has a turbo and that's about it but those same people are the ones who are making their diagnosis and then they're putting that said part on their vehicle and they're not actually fixing the problem and that's half of my work i get that way and that's that's how it normally comes in it's normally after someone else has already touched it or you know they've taken it upon themselves that's a lot of fun oh yeah yeah that's great so with the first gens are there, uh, I mean, is there something you see more with the first gens? I mean, it is a totally different animal that, than the, the later ones, but, I mean, something you see more on those than, than on other ones? Honestly, with the, the first gens, with the 89 through 93s, even with the intercooled, non-intercooled, I don't see a lot of problems out of them. Most of the time, honestly, at this point, the trucks have normally rusted themselves out around it. Yeah. They're actually they're the best truck if you're after fuel economy and okay. you're not after you know high horsepower numbers. If you just want a truck to drive that's stock power and reliable and get great fuel economy, they're an awesome truck to have. Yep. Um, the biggest problem with them is is they get people that want uh, you know. They want to mess with the pump themselves, and they're they're not familiar with it. And honestly, it's something that's with VE pumps. It's something more left to a pump shop. If you don't have the right test equipment to make sure it's all calibrated and set up properly, um, you're going to cause you're going to cause issues with it. And that and guys putting injectors in them, and they don't do anything else, and they don't have an intercooler. They overheat them, and they blow a lot of head gaskets. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of. A lot of that kind of carries over into the same thing with the second gen 12 valves. It's uh, you know, the biggest biggest mistake I see with them are when guys buy a truck not knowing what they actually are buying. They come in and there's fuel screws missing, or the fuel plates out, or their buddy's buddy has decided to mess with the star wheel on it, or yeah. they've adjusted the timing. It's it's a lot of that stuff is not having the proper tools or the knowledge of what is what is safe for mm-hmm. what you have and when you put that much fuel to it not much timing with you know uh, with a stock head gasket that's 10 15 years old yeah. and you know all that extra cylinder pressure they blow a lot of gaskets and they're also bad about washing rings out because they just get they get wore out from you know too much cylinder pressure really is what a lot of it boils down to too much heat too much pressure and that's that's, that's the biggest downfalls with those trucks yeah. um Twelve valves are awesome, though. I mean, they're they're dinosaurs. They'll run forever if they're done properly, and if you can keep the truck from rusting out around it, they're they're a great truck. Um, and everybody knows what a P pump twelve valve has the potential of doing. I mean, they for the most part they pretty much rule the sled pulling world and drag racing a lot of it. So it's uh, you know they're a great engine if done right, but. It's uh, you got to be leery when you buy one because they're so old and they've traded hands so many times. Now you, you, it's best to have somebody look at it that understands what they're actually looking at, or you know, check the timing for you. Because uh, honestly, eighty percent of them that come to me when guys just buy them, there's I always find stuff that is not, it's not where you want it to be for the long haul. Mm-hmm. Not not for safe reasons. Not if you want to enjoy your truck a little longer. Yeah, it's I kind of find like usually the. 
like the diesel mechanics, that's if they own a Cummins, those are the ones that they own. Are, yep. Are the older? I mean, like our 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 tech Owen, he doesn't even look at anything unless it's like '93 or, or older. It's one of those things. They're simple. Um, yeah. The fuel economy on them is great. Um, they're if you know what you're looking at, they're simple. I should say. Yeah. Um, you know, they're they're complex in their own right. It's just a little more, you know, just an old school way of doing things. But they're uh, they're great trucks if you just drive them and you're or if you're smart with your modifications to them and you do them in the right order. Um, you know, they can be great trucks. But um, bottom line, they're they're in the price range for people who are just getting into the market a lot of times, and you get stuck with a. You get stuck with a truck that somebody else has already learned on, or two guys have already learned on, and you know, you normally a lot of guys end up with a, a pretty beat up pile of shit. Yeah, yeah. With the um, so with those, the order of modifications, d- does it differ from other trucks? Like, what what do you what is your opinion on how how you should go about modifying those trucks? <clears throat> it all depends on what the person's end goal is. Honestly, mm-hmm. um, I mean, if somebody brings me a stock. P pump 12 valve and they just want a little extra power a little extra fuel economy you know i mean you can i I like to start with a little bit of timing and pretty much go from there and you know it doesn't you can max out um you can pretty much run out of air real quick on a 12 valve um and the problem is is once you once you start to cross that 17 18 degrees of timing go any farther than that if it doesn't already have studs and a head gasket in it, you're going to need one. Mm-hmm. It's, it's going to happen. You're you're going to blow the gasket. Um, you know, same thing. I get I get a ton of trucks, stock turbo. We'll have a five by ten, five by twelve set of injectors in it, and they still have a stock turbo, and their EGTs are through the roof, and they wonder why they're melting pistons and why they're going through head gaskets. So the biggest thing is to you know, watch everything and keep it in check, you know, uh, that, that's, you know, I, it, it all depends on what their end, you know, what their end goal is mm-hmm. really on how you're going to go about it. Um, and a lot of times their budget is too, because like I said, most people that own them, you know, they buy injectors because it's a, it's a cheap do it in your garage type install that, you know, you can see the injectors right there. So everybody's like, Oh, it's no big deal. You know, you see a lot of companies advertise 100 horsepower, 200 horsepower, and they think that's all they got to do is pull those out and bolt them in. They get 200 horsepower. Well, yeah. it uh, it may, but it's going to be short lived. Yeah, <laughs> and, and that's that's the biggest issue with all Cummins. Yeah. Honestly, they're just they're they're easier to work on. So people, you know, people make they're just misinformed. You know, yeah. but it, it, they don't know. And what about the third gens? What what's your opinion on those? Uh, the trucks with the VP44, you got the 98 and a half throw twos. Um, those, if you can find, it's the same thing as a 12 valve. A lot of them are beat up and ran ragged. But honestly, I might be partial because it was my first diesel truck, but VP trucks are, they get a bad name because of the VP pump. Mm-hmm. But if it's got a good fuel system behind it and you got a good pump and you keep good fuel in it, they're really fun trucks to drive. There's tons of them out there with a lot of miles on them that haven't, you know, for the most part, haven't been touched. Um, but those, that's a good, that's a very good starting point, honestly. And, you know, you get them a little newer and hopefully they're not rusted out as bad. But it's, you know, same type of thing on that. You know, the biggest thing, biggest problem I see is people just slapping bigger injectors in it and keeping the stock turbo. And 
I mean, you can hit 1,500 degrees with a comp box or an altitude latitude on them without, uh, you know, without even changing injectors. And then guys go and, you know, you up your injectors another 30-plus percent, and, uh, you know, same thing, head gaskets, cracked heads. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's all pretty common on that. Um, but moving on to the 03 through 07 mm-hmm. common rails, all the 5.9s there. You know they're uh, they're awesome trucks. You know, you know a lot of it. I'm gonna sound like I'm beating a dead horse, but a lot of it is the same thing. It's uh, misinformed people doing the same exact thing. Um, you know, putting bigger injectors in stock trucks. That's one of the stock turbo. They overheat them, especially on the 04 and a half and 07s because. You know, they have a post-injection event from the factory. They have a different ECM. There's actually four different ECMs from 03 through 07. Mm-hmm. Um, the later ones, the high outputs, they all that post-injection event. People put bigger injectors in them. And out of all Cummins engines, I see more number five and six pistons melted on 04 and a half through 07, five nines than any trucks from 89 to 15. Um, and that is normally what's the cause of it, either that or people on common rails. That's this, this is where stacking chips started at. Yeah. And people have, you know, they got a pressure box on top of a duration box on top of regular programming, and it's, uh, it's yeah, it, it'll run good for a little while till you're rebuilding it. Oh, yeah. Or replacing the engine, and that's, that is the biggest problem with, the five nine common rails um you know it's they're getting older mm-hmm. uh they got miles on them a lot of guys have done that um and that's uh that's one of those things you you know you can't really tell when you're buying one but i always try to tell people to uh you know at least ask and try to be as informed as possible when you're purchasing a truck like that or if you're going to do one don't be the guy on craigslist buying everything you can and just stacking it on top of each other because you're you're gonna end up blowing the heads off the injectors or melting the piston or popping the turbo yeah you know it's just it's see the same stuff time after time but they are they are good trucks Mm -hmm. you know yeah it's definitely a a situation where those individual tuning devices or pressure boxes were were built expecting to see stock you know, stock parameters, and when you Correct. throw something in there that adjusts it from stock, and then you would throw something else that's adjusting the adjustment from stock, that's when you get just, you, you've just got no idea what's going on in there. You don't. Neither does the computer. Yeah. They, you know, I'll get people all the time that bring them in and, you know, tell me, oh, I put this on there, and it, you know, now it stutters, or it does this, or it'll fall on its face at 2200, or it always gets a rail pressure code, or... Mm-hmm. It's always, you know, the grid heater light's always coming on. You know, and a lot of times that's just because of excessive return flow with the new update Chrysler had a few years ago, and that's that's all that's indicating. But, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of times it's people are like, yeah, you know, I, I run a pressure box, I got a tuner, um, you know, and it's it, it's normally the same, you know, you normally see the same things going into it that, that cause it. And that's, that, that's really the biggest downfall with those trucks is you never know what you're running into with that or what you're what you're buying because yeah. there's some of them and i'm guilty of it too i had no five and when i bought it no five i slapped everything i could on it because i didn't know any better yeah um 
Man, I can tell you, I learned the hard way. Yeah. <laughs> well, what happened to it? Um, pretty much everything. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I lifted the head. I mean, I got the truck. I had an 05, which 05 in their own right are kind of a, they're kind of the redheaded stepchild. They got a very finicky ECM. They're yeah. only used for four months. They got goofy electronics. Um, yeah, but my, my truck was, it was mid 800 horsepower by the time I was done with it. But I also, I used that truck as a learning tool. I had, you know, four different turbo combinations on it, mm-hmm. four different sets of injectors. You know, I had a built trans. I drove it, used it, worked it, towed it, um, you know. Yeah. But I learned how to make it work and how to do things the right way. Yes. You know, I, I, it, really, it was a really expensive learning experience, but I, I learned a lot about them right then because I didn't really get into the industry until 2007, and I had, I had two good years of tearing it up before I even – you know, before I even started really working at a shop at all, or yeah. you know, doing it full time. Nice, yeah, better, definitely better on uh, you know, from a business perspective, better your stuff than your customers. Absolutely, that's sure. exactly why I bought a brand new fifteen. You know, was to test out all this new tuning and try and you know, these new trucks they change stuff. So that's that's exactly why I did what I did there. Yeah, how how is your six seven doing? It's great. Yeah, um, I like it. I mean, there's things I. There's things I don't like about it, but that's as with everything. Um, you know, the six sevens are all good. Um, you know, the biggest thing I run into with them, I run into head gaskets, turbos, and honestly, head gasket and turbo, we know what a lot of that stems from. Mm-hmm. You know, they that's obviously in 07, that's when they, they started to add the DPS to them and the EGR systems. Um, you know, except for California trucks, yep. and they're they're just it's a terrible design. Honestly, the coolers are insufficient; they don't have enough capacity. Um, the valves are prone to blowing open, getting stuck, not knowing it. They got a throttle valve design that the springs known for getting weak in them, and yes. that doesn't allow the airflow to pass properly through the EGR system. It sits up, sets the veins of the turbos up. That happens. You know, your drive pressure changes, you lift heads, you know, you don't, you don't lift the head, but mm-hmm. you pop the head gasket, yep. you know, it's, uh, it happens, especially, you know, six sevens are bad about it. All Cummins are bad about getting hot in the rear cylinders. Yes. Um, you know, that's, that's just one of the things, uh, six sevens though, they're, I mean, if somebody is really, it depends on the budget, but if you're looking to get into a truck, the good thing is because the late five nines are worth their weight in gold, I'd rather have a 6.7. There's things about both of them that are nice, but you can get into an 07 through 9.67 for a pretty decent price, honestly. Yeah, um, yeah, it's actually surprising. I was looking I was looking at them on, like, uh, like Auto Trader, and it is more for the late model 5.9s than, like, a, even, like, the 2010s. It's, it's crazy. It is. It really is. I mean, uh, you get the six-speed transmission. That's nice. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Everybody, it's a Dodge. We know we're going to put a transmission in one way or the other, whether you leave it to dock or you beat on it, it's going to happen. Um, you know, uh, having the VGT, it's uh, it's got its pros and cons. Um, the exhaust brake is nice. Yep. Um, if you don't need it, doing a second-gen swap on them is awesome because a 6.7 is a, you know, it's a pretty good air pump. So mm-hmm. you can get away with running a, a decent size S400, 
even without, you know, you don't really have to do anything fuel-wise, and you can still drive them, use them, tow with them, um, you know, do everything. And they stay super cool. You uh, you lower your drive pressure um, probably 20 to 25% from what I've seen from trucks I've data logged and had on the dyno. Um, you know, it, it really, uh, that's, I, I like the 6.7 because there's so many, so many different ways you could go with it. You know, you can go with the truck. You can kind of, you can add a twin, you can add a turbo to it if you like that because compounds are sweet. Um, you can totally get rid of it because a lot of them, they, they get a bad name for the VGT turbo. Um, a lot of guys get really upset about having to replace them. But bottom line, most of the time, the reason that turbo is going out, there was something in front of it before that caused the issue. Yes. Um, you know, it's, it's pretty much a, it's a chain reaction thing with them. Um, and, you know, the biggest thing with 6.7s where I have people have issues, uh, their head gaskets is because they ignore a turbo issue. They know their exhaust brake isn't working properly. They know it doesn't spool upright. They know they've lost fuel economy, but yet they continue to drive it because the trucks, they're running, they'll, they'll run, you can drive down the road, and they run, they run just fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, uh, that's what causes a lot because the veins stick. They never, you know, it raises your drive pressure because the vein plate gets stuck. And people don't realize that they think, oh, it just runs fine or just smokes a little more. Um, but you know, I get a lot of guys that ignore it, and it's normally not too long after they're coming to see me for a head gasket. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, they did do some things on the 13s and up to try to address that turbo issue. Um, they did change the electronics on them. Um, they do have a different thrust bearing in the charger. It's a little bigger. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know all the internals of the brand new turbos, but they, you know, Ram has addressed that or, have, you know, somewhat addressed that problem. Uh, you know, the, but you do have the 68 RFE, which <laughs> they're, uh, they can be good and they can be bad transmissions. Yeah. Um, you know, it's uh, the 10 through 12, they made the converters a little more stout from the factory. It's not a whole lot more. Um, you know, shift patterns and everything are a little bit different on them. They, they don't seem to go out quite as fast, but they, uh, they're, they're kind of a, they're a beast of their own. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's always, um, yeah, it's kind of like the, that first restrictor. It, it kind of, if you feel bad for the guys because, like, on the Duramax side, well, especially with those, the, the newer ones, I mean, the, you don't have to worry about that, Allison. Like, you can max out your stock engine and don't have to even touch the allison but it seems like with the um with the cummins those guys are usually like 30 to 50 horsepower behind the other guys in terms of when they need to upgrade the transmission yep and that's uh you know it's one of those things they keep making them better the you know when they started the cabin chassis well in 07 they had a 3500 but in 08 they introduced the 45 and 5500s which um, on the 07 through 9 trucks, they just had a regular DPF. The 10 through 12, they actually put DEF on them. And those trucks, you know, all of them to date, they come with an ASIN. Um, if, it's, if it doesn't have a G56, it's mm-hmm. not a manual. Um, it comes with those ASINs. And those are, they're a great transmission. If you're going to add 100 horse, you know, if you're going to do a tuner, you're going to delete it, you know, maybe do a fast system, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you start getting into, uh, you know, bigger chargers, pumps, injectors, all that stuff. Um, the ASINs, they're, they're not a real, 
they're, they're not a great transmission for, you know, if, if you're wanting to hit that 550-plus mark, mm-hmm. they kind of turn, they kind of do the opposite thing. They, they don't, even built ones, they don't do that great. Okay. Very interesting. Yeah, we haven't seen too many too many of those um, yet. It's still still coming in. Yeah, I mean, I've, you know, I'll, I'll replace probably one ASIM transmission to every twenty sixty eight RFEs that I do. So mm-hmm. it's they're they're not nearly as common, but you know they are starting to. You can get them now in an actual thirty five hundred pickup truck and fourteens and fifteens and up. So. I'm sure we'll see more of them. Hopefully, they hopefully they start to get better. Yeah. Um, it would be it would be nice for everybody because that's a that's the one bad thing about the performance market, especially if you like the easy engine on the Cummins. Um, it does have its downsides. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Are let's see. Are you heading out to? Uh, are you doing any shows this year at all? Any events? Um, yeah, we are going to be at uh, the State Fair, the Missouri State Fair. It's in. Um, it's in where? It's in Sedalia, Missouri. It's still August. I don't remember the dates. Okay. Yeah, we'll be there. It's a that's an eight day show. Um, and where else we'll be? Honestly, it it really depends. I'm I'm working on a short staff, and I'm my business is growing at yeah. a rapid rate. So it's it's been very hard for me to get away at all. Yeah, um, I was gonna say I'm time restriction. Trying to roll with that the best I can till I can get till I get a bigger shop built and. You know, get everything moved into there, and you know, just one thing at a time. Yeah, good problems to have. Yeah, thanks again for your time. Then we'll uh, we'll just talk to you soon. Anytime, thanks, man. Ah, you're welcome. Oh, that was uh, that was very informative. That was Chris Clanky doing what he does, right? Mm-hmm, definitely, a lot of good information. Again, kind of went through. I mean, it, it was like. It was like he had a script in front of him. He just clear, <laughs> knew exactly what to talk about. I love the stuff about the first gens, you know, just kind of that. Um, his background, again, coming into it. Hopefully, hopefully we all learned a little bit of something, a little, little advice, too, for, for potential either, either current or potential diesel owners looking to do their own work. I think, that's, I think that's a great point to make is that, you know, Chris works in a situation where he was saying that the majority of the guys that come in, give or take, uh, self-inflicted mm-hmm. it, it, it's self-inflicted problems they read a forum post and they thought it sounded like a cool idea and it's the first time they've turned a wrench or you know their buddy said hey this is a great idea but then they didn't bring their buddy with them to go do the work and now yep. they're in a scenario where their truck doesn't run and chris is the type of guy he's a good guy he'll help them out he'll get them on the road he'll get them squared away and get it fixed right but it's his knowledge base that allows him to do that and i think that's what's really cool about about dealing with chris uh, over there at aftermath diesel services yeah for sure if you if you don't have the knowledge and you're going to try it yourself my suggestion is to make sure that you have the funds to pay a professional to fix your mistake <laughs> if you can't cook get out of the kitchen yeah and there's and there's nothing wrong with that i mean i have I, I have hidden many a mistake just like that, so it's good. I seem to remember something about the uh, Mercedes. No, the, yeah. The, we're not going to talk about the torque yeah. converter no, story. No, no, yep. we're going to leave that one out. Those are those are learning experiences, <laughs> and I haven't taken that out yet. There's just a little vibration. You know, Nothing I, wrong with that. Just keep it. I just can't have it at 60. I can do 55. I can do 65. <laughs> if I'm running 60, that's when, that's a reminder of my, my problem. I mean, that's a perfect reason to not give you a ticket if I'm an officer. Yeah, definitely. That's all I have to say. It's yeah. like, if you did your own torque converter mod and now yeah. you can't drive, I mean, you can't. You I know. know. It's- I learned something. I can talk I can talk to my kids about that. They don't know I did anything wrong. 
So I just tell them like, we're about to break the sound barrier. That's all that vibration is <laughs> going so fast. No, but that was really good stuff. I really appreciate, uh, well, Chris's time. And, and in this case, everyone's time that helped out with the series. Absolutely. Uh, Nick Pregnitz of Duramax Tuner in our very first episode. Tim Slater of Centurion Fleet Services in our second. You just finished listening to Chris Clanky of Aftermath Diesel Services here in our third. Mm -hmm. I'd say this is a great point to wrap up, Scott. Definitely. I am Scott. And I'm Paul. Thanks for listening. The Diesel Performance Podcast is brought to you by Calibrated Power Solutions, home of DuramaxTuner.com, developer of performance engine and transmission calibrations for a wide variety of late model diesel powertrains including the Duramax, Cummins, John Deere, Jeep, and many more. For more information and the best customer service in the industry, check out calibratedpower.com or call 815-568-7920.